Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. I want to remind everybody that next Saturday, Law Matters is hosting an educational event on cryptocurrency. It'll be held at the police department on Miracle Mile and all the details and registration are on the lawmatters1030.org website. I've been thinking about what's been going on in the news lately, and I think our, our intro pretty much prefaces what today's show is about. And ever since, I th- and I go further back than George, uh, George Floyd, ever since uh, Michael Brown and Ferguson, the attitude towards law enforcement has really deteriorated. And I just really don't understand why the media is taking the stance that it's a black and white issue when it should be a good versus evil issue. So I invited our guest today, um, Sergeant at Arms of Suffolk County in New York, a retired combat veteran and author, Michael Simonelli, to come on and talk to us about his version of what's happening on the East Coast, because I think it's happening all over the country. Michael, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Hello, Shari. Doing excellent. Thank you very much for having me on your show. And thank you very much for being such a strong advocate for law enforcement and really the truth, because it shouldn't be partisan. It shouldn't be racial. It should just be about the facts. And that's what you're promoting. And uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I I was sitting here preparing for the show before you called in. and, And I was thinking the irony of this is they're tearing down statues of, you know, people who they feel were criminals and replacing them with career criminals like <laughs> right. George Floyd. I'm like, well, you know, what's the point here? So the, right. this morning I received an email um, about an officer who was slain over the weekend. Let's talk about some of the facts that are going on, because I don't see people rioting in the streets when an officer gets killed. And this young man, he had almost 40 rounds from an AK-47 put into him. I don't see people torching buildings and marching and painting walls, you know, saying law enforcement matters. What's what's going on? What's the truth? Uh, the truth is that the everything's upside down. The criminals have become the heroes, and the heroes have become have been criminalized so yeah. that they can't enforce the law. And you're right; there is a complete difference between the adulation shown towards people who the day before were criminals, but then because they happen to have being killed by law enforcement, oftentimes justifiably, are then they're given parades, streets named after them, the protests, every politician running for office has to mention them. But the law enforcement officers, I guarantee you, 99% of the people never heard of police officer Noah Shanavaz yeah. from Elwood in Indiana. Yeah. And I, to be honest, in two weeks, I'll probably have to look up his name again because I will not have heard it every single day. I will not have seen it on the front page news or on the cable stations tonight and for the next couple of weeks, the way we are still hearing now Brianna Taylor's name 
back from 2000 when her incident occurred. I like this uh, graph you sent me about Brianna Taylor and another young lady. Explain to our listeners what this graph is. All right, so what I did is I made a comparison, because when people hear Brianna Taylor, they think, oh, it's, it's first of all, that it was an unlawful raid, and they, they targeted her because she was black, and this only happens to black people. The same thing happened a year before to a white woman named Regina Nicholas. She was the subject, her house was, of a no-knock search warrant in Houston, where her husband, after during the raid, they shot their dog. The husband, then hearing that his dog get killed, fired at the officers who were playing clothes, so he did not know that they were officers, just like Brianna Taylor's boyfriend alleges that he didn't know they were officers at his door, although they did knock in the Brianna Taylor incident. Yeah, they did. The Regina Nicholas' husband shoots at the officers. The officers return fire, justifiably, and Regina Nicholas, who was unarmed, was caught in the crossfire. Sound familiar? Yeah. And she was killed. Now, it turns out that the detectives, or actually the narcotics officers in that case, they lied to get that search warrant. They were not dealing drugs out of that house. They were not drug dealers. Her husband was a retired Navy veteran. So that officer and one of his partners have already been indicted for murder and numerous other charges, and they've thrown out, I think, over 100 cases that he was involved in, this lead narcotics officer, because he was dirty. Now, nobody's ever heard of Regina Nicholas, which yeah. is what's even more egregious about that is, all right, she's white. Well, this officer that I'm telling you about, he's black. Now, do I think that his race and her race had anything to do with it? Absolutely not. Just, a, just like I believe race had nothing to do with Breonna Taylor and those officers involved. But the media, they, they report very little on the Regina Nicholas story. If you look, I did a search history. There's only a few dozen stories about her incident compared to hundreds on Breonna Taylor. Yeah. And some of those stories about Regina Nicholas, race isn't even mentioned at all. But that's always the first thing, you know, that's highlighted when it comes to Breonna Taylor. You know, it's a civil rights issue. It's race. It's black. It has nothing to do with it. This, you have to go by the facts. And the facts show that the real bias is coming from the media, from the politicians, from the activists who only think certain people of a certain race, their lives matter. Yeah, it's so true. And I, you hear it all the time. And I've gotten to the point where I'll hear a headline or I, in fact, the story with um, this young man that was shot last weekend, I had to research to see who the killer was and, you know, right. what is his story and I shouldn't have had to do that. It should have been out there. And I, exactly. like I said, I don't see people rioting in the streets and torching buildings and, you know, saying, say his name. Noah will be right. remembered for a long time, but not by the right people. I mean, this is, yeah. this is ugly. And I want to talk about the, the Walker case because everybody was up in arms. This kid. <laughs> yeah. This kid was a criminal. His his mom said, I watched the news. She said he was unarmed and he's a good kid. He's never been in trouble before. Well, let's hear the rest of the story. So tell us the rest of the well, story. All right. The truth is that the officers observed the car make, uh, making a traffic infraction. The car was operated by Jalen Walker. This is around 1230 in the morning on June 27th. So right there, it's the middle of the night. Oftentimes, and I know this from experience, you cannot even see inside the vehicle. So you can't tell if the driver is black, white, Spanish, Asian, whatever. So they activate their emergency lights. And most people like you and I, 
we would pull over. But instead, Jalen Walker took them on a high-speed pursuit up to 80 miles per hour and shot at them with a handgun while they were chasing him. Okay, so then multiple units obviously joined in the chase. They catch up to Walker. He slows down his vehicle. He jumps out, jumps out, takes off running. And what is he doing? He's wearing a ski mask. Mind you, this is the end of June, so we're talking summertime in Ohio, middle of night, very hot, and nobody else is in the car, so you can't say it's a COVID mask. He has a ski mask, so the officers, they try to tase him at first, doesn't work. He still takes off running on them. They catch up to him, and as they're catching up to him, he turns around, and the body cameras show he goes to his waist area with his arm in a moving in a forward motion. Now, those officers have no idea whether he still has that gun in his hand or left it in his car, as ends up happening. So as far as they know, he has that gun in his hand or his waistband, and that's what he's going for. So they justifiably use deadly force, fearing for their own lives. And, you know, I think they had around maybe nine officers, eight officers. They each shot him ten times. It comes out to, like, 90, 90 shots, and they hit him about 60 times. But if, you, if you're justified to shoot once, you're justified to shoot 60 because you're shooting, you're using deadly force to stop the deadly threat. And in their eyes, they were facing a deadly threat because he had just shot at them. Right. And it's, it's always amazed me that people are surprised when you shoot at law enforcement that they're going to shoot back. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> would you Crazy expect? right? <laughs> you, you know, what the heck? I know you've got, right. I, I want to just go down the list of all these people that you're talking about because they deserve to have their story told. What about Terrence Parker? Oh, okay, so... In the early beginning of this year, there was a horrible murder of two New York City cops, Jason Rivera and Wilbert Moore. So huge, um, pro, huge funerals, highly publicized. Well, they got a lot of press. They were called heroes. Well, BLM in D.C., they took umbrage with that. So they put out their own list of heroes. And he's, here's some of the men that were topping BLM D.C.'s heroes. Terrence Parker, who was justifiably killed by police on April 30th, 2021, after he pointed his gun at his girlfriend and the responding officers during a 911 call of a domestic assault. Another one of their heroes that was justifiably killed by police was Vito Hall. Uh, he was keeping his girlfriend hostage with and pointing his rifle with a high-capacity drill magazine at the officer. You want another one? There's uh, Darren Barnes. In September, he was justifiably shot by police after he fled the scene of a homicide, rammed a cop car, and they refused to put his gun down when confronted. And he already had an active warrant for, you guessed it, domestic assault, and was a felon illegally possessing a weapon. Now, how is that possible? A felon with a weapon in D.C., some of the strictest gun laws, right? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah, criminals don't really care much about laws. I think they established that in the first place when they became criminals. <laughs> <laughs> we bypassed that section. Yeah. Do, do you have um, gun shows in New York? There are, um, infrequently, don't, they're not highly publicized. Uh, I honestly have not been to one in New York. The last gun show I went to was in Texas. <laughs> and what did you think? What was your experience? Oh, I had a great experience. I showed my ID. I lawfully purchased a, a, a Beretta. Um, no, I'm pro-Second Amendment, so I, I had a great experience. I went to a gun show. This is the first time ever about a month or so ago. And what I observed was people, some people were buying weapons, filling out 
uh, the paperwork in order to buy the weapon. And other people were buying just parts and didn't have to fill out any kind of paperwork. So, you know, if you buy parts and you can build your own, I guess you don't have to fill out paperwork. I'm not sure what the law says. I'm going to have to research that. But it was a different experience. And I was told, and, you know, I didn't buy anything while I was there, but I was told that uh, if you're going to look for a gun, you want a good deal on a gun, don't go to a gun show because they jack the prices up because most of the people that buy a gun shows aren't qualified to buy a gun. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I I just wondered how it was in, in the East Coast compared to here because, in fact, there's a gun show today. I was invited to uh, it, but I'm not going. Um, okay. I tell you, as a law enforcement officer, see, that was that was decades ago when I was just in the military and I was stationed in Texas. So obviously I was a lawful resident citizen and I had no problem being allowed to buy something. Now I I can buy obviously as a law enforcement officer, I just go straight to the gun store and I buy what I want. So did they ask you for your ID and did you have to fill out paperwork when you bought your weapon in Texas? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't see license. I saw some people filling out paperwork, but not everybody. So I'm not sure how the rules apply at a gun show. But let's talk about this next one on this list. What's his name? Jaron? He was. Oh, Jaron Wimbush? Yeah. yeah. Another one of the BLMDC's heroes. He was shot uh, justifiably by police in October after he shot at them with a gun um, when they entered his basement to stop him from burning down his house. So they. And he ended up not dying from the gunshot. But here they were. They were trying to save his house, or obviously you know, his he life. Lived in, some other people lived in, and, yeah, and his life. And he shot at them, and they shot him justifiably, injured him, were able to take him out of commission, so they could then remove him to, from the house, let him get medical treatment, and prevent the house from burning down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some of these stories, you just you can't make this stuff up. This is reality. And yeah. like I said, you're not you're not finding people marching in the streets when you see an officer shot and killed by anybody. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're chartreuse. But the media is turning it into a black and white issue, and I, I wish they would stop it because it's not fair, it's, it's not right, and they're not telling the whole story of the situation as it happened. So... You're right, but amazingly, even when the truth gets out there, like let's take uh, Makia Bryant, for instance. I'm sure many of your viewers have, are familiar with her. Back in April 2021, okay, they, there was a black girl, two black girls having a fight. Makia Bryant is seen with a big knife about to stab this one black girl against a car. The officer pulls up just at the absolute last possible second to be able to do something and shoots Makia Bryant. Stops her from stabbing an unarmed, innocent teenage black girl in Columbus, Ohio. And he was vilified right. to the point that I believe even the White House commented on it. Now, how irresponsible is that for like the most powerful position in the country to jump in on something where they don't have all the facts? Well, we know that he saved a woman's life, a young girl's life, and yeah. they're demonizing him just because who he shot was black. Well, who he saved was black, too. Not that any of this should matter. No, but that's not the way the story came across the news media. Right. And, you know, if you're going to tell the story, tell the whole story. Don't don't pick and choose your facts. The alternate facts, I guess they call it. Right. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the, we've got a lot of um, politicians out there spewing rhetoric that really, and I'm talking both sides, not one side or the other, both sides, um, that just isn't true. And it's frustrating. I'm sure we can't get Al Sharpton to make a comment about Noah being murdered with, you know, 40 rounds of from an AK-47. No, no. He'll, he'll remain silent on that one. Um, and, you know, it's a shame because justifiably the citizens hold police to a higher standard because we are the only people entrusted by the government with the use of deadly force in order to protect everybody. So I get it. We should be held to a high standard. But in that same vein, there should be a higher, um, I guess, maybe respect or, or price put on the life of officers who give their lives in the performance of that duty to protect the citizens. But instead, it's not happening. Like you said, Noah, his name will be forgotten, not even known, honestly, by most people already. In fact, I I saw nothing in the news. If somebody hadn't emailed this to me this morning, I wouldn't have known about it at all. No, neither would I. If I I didn't post this on my website, because I track the officers for the murdered in the line of duty and unarmed people shot by the police to show the comparisons of how very similar the circumstances are between when officers use deadly force on somebody and when officers are murdered. And you know what? One of the things I I try to preface on this show, if you get stopped by law enforcement, do what they say. Don't, don't, you know, try to disarm them. Don't try to grab their taser. They're gone. Don't run away. (laughs) Don't start a fight. Do what they say. And in fact, if uh, George Floyd had done what he was told and all those tapes that we saw, he'd still be, well, I don't think he'd be alive because he had so many illegal drugs in his system, but... He was trying to get rid of the evidence, so he swallowed all the pills. Um, but yeah. it would have been a different situation, for sure. He could have been taken to a hospital. They could have pumped his stomach. He would have still be alive for his loving family to take care of. But, right, right. you know, that's that's not what happened. So when you pull somebody over in New York, what do you expect them to do? I expect them to comply. To follow my commands, which are typically for them to keep their hands on their steering wheel, to turn the vehicle off, put the windows on the uh, keys on the dash, and to tell me where their license, registration, insurance is, um, and then to go f- for that information and to hand it to me. And and not Very do simple. it without letting you know. Do you ask people? Do you have a weapon in the car or anything in the car that I should know about? Yeah, I'll ask him that. Um, you know, if if a bad guy has something, he's not going to be honest with you. But it's for that it's not a question you can ask. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it we're trying to be polite, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I'll ask if any weapons, anything that could hurt me. Sure, stuff like that. No, and I, you know, thinking back on Michael Brown, had he done what he was told to do, he'd still be alive today. You know, there's so right. many of them there that. You know, this this Walker person, he would still be alive had he not done what he did. Even though he shot at law enforcement, he would still be alive. Right. If he would have then peacefully complied and surrendered when he, when he pulled his vehicle over finally and slowed it down, if he would have just come to a full stop and exited with his hands up, that's it. Game over, cups are on, and he would have been processed and probably been out of jail by the next day. 
But like Michael Walker, what, what they all fail to do, and we say it very simply, comply and stay alive. It's so simple. If, and unfortunately, what this vitriol towards law enforcement is doing is teaching the exact opposite, is giving people, especially people of color, a chip on their shoulder saying, don't cooperate with the police, or the, the police are just going to try to kill you, so you better try to get away from them. And it's causing them to resist, to not comply, to flee, to fight. And what happens is then that raises the force continuum, and you know, force ends up being used, and sometimes it's deadly force. What do you think we should do as a society? I mean, we, we need to turn the tables back to where the good guys are the good guys and the bad guys go to jail. What do we you think we should do as a society to make that happen, to tell our politicians and tell people who are teaching these people, these, you know, to run and fight and, you know, don't do what law enforcement says because they're going to hurt you. Well, yeah, they're going to hurt you if you run and fight and don't do what they say. Right. Um, well, I think uh, it goes along the lines of what you're, what you're doing is education and it goes to the classroom level in, in grade school. And this is something I recently got involved in because I saw the hatred, the material, anti-police material that was being pushed through my son's school as part of an equity team in response to the George Floyd thing. So I got involved in that, and the police have been working with the schools now, and the children are doing more programs to show how the police are there to help you. The only, it's not the only thing police do is arrest people. They actually save people's lives. They save them uh, with accidents. Um, teaching them how to put the proper car seats in for young children. So it's teaching children at a young age that the police are there to help you, to, that you need to respect them, and you need to follow their lawful orders. So pe- people have to be taught how to be good citizens again. That, that's something that seems to have fallen off the wayside. Yeah, it, and, you know, that, that old adage, it takes a village, it really does. I mean, you know, this this Walker person, his mom said, oh, my son would never do that. Well, you know what? Ask the person down the street what they've watched your son do. I remember when I was little, if I did something wrong at the end of the block, by the time I got home, my parents knew about it. And it wasn't like, you know, stop bossing my kid around and, you know, I I got it, <laughs> you know, Parents were, you don't do that. You go apologize. And kids no. aren't being raised to be responsible and to be reliable, and they have no ethics and morals, and it's just kind of sad. Exactly right. If you, if you notice, a key word that you said was parents, plural. Right. The big problem is they're singular. A single parent is raising a lot of these children that, become, that grow up to be offenders and violent criminals. I think the single greatest indicator, one uh, study had shown, the single greatest indicator of poverty and criminality was being raised by single mothers, you know, not having a father present. So that is a huge, huge uh, thing that needs to be corrected. And that is more prevalent in certain segments of society than others. And now people, they don't want to talk about that. They'll say it's racist, but a fact is a fact. And it shows it. it is important for a mother and father to raise a child, whether they're black, white, Spanish, or Asian. Yeah, statistics are statistics. I was a single mom, and I raised my son. Thank God he's not in jail. Right. <laughs> but I, I had a different upbringing myself, and I was taught, you know, you do the right thing. If it isn't yours, don't touch it, and always do the right thing. It may not always feel good and people might ridicule you for doing the right thing but you right. need to do it 
We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a few. Do you have security cameras on your home and live around the 400 block of West Ohio Street? On June 1st, 2021, a murder took place and you just might have the information we need. To stay anonymous, upload your video to 88 Crime. ¿Tienes cámaras de seguridad en tu casa y vives cerca de la cuadra 400 oeste de la calle Ohio? El primero de junio de 2021 se registró un homicidio y es posible que usted tenga la información necesaria para resolver este caso. Para permanecer anónimo, sube su video a la página 88crime.org. Were you in the area of the 4400 block of South 7th Avenue at 10 p.m. on July 23rd, 2021? If you have security cameras, you just might have a tip that will help solve the murder that took place there. To stay anonymous, use 88 Crime and upload your video. Si estabas o tienes cámaras de seguridad en la área de 4400 Sur de la 7 Avenida, a las 10 de la tarde, 23 de julio de 2021, es posible que tengas información que resuelva el homicidio que tuvo lugar ahí. Para permanecer anónimo, use la página 88crime.org y suba su video. If you live in the area of 2500 East Menor and have security camera footage from November 30th, 2021, between 10 p.m. and 12 a.m., you might have information needed to solve a murder. Use 88 Crime to upload your videos and stay anonymous. Si usted vive en la área de 2500 este de la menor y tienes cámaras de seguridad del 30 de noviembre de 2021 entre las 10 de la tarde y 12 de la mañana, es posible que tengas información necesario para resolver un homicidio. Visita la página 88crime.org para subir sus videos y permanecer anónimo. On our next show, Sierra Vista Police Chief Thrasher joins our conversation. On August 13th at the Tucson Police Department on Miracle Mile, Law Matters is hosting an educational event on cryptocurrency. Even if you've never invested, it's good to understand how it works. Our instructors are IRS special agents who explain the pros and cons and how it affects your tax return. Details and registration is on the website lawmatters1030.org. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're we're talking with um, Mike Simonelli. He's um, from New York. And we're comparing some of the things that have happened in the our section of the country to his section of the country. And things seem to be the same all over. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you wrote this, this huge book, Justified Deadly Force. What prompted you to write this? Well, I had uh, just finished my master's thesis for on national security, and I did it on the deadly police shootings and the racial bias of the protesters, politicians, and the press. That was January through April of 2020. And I, I saw the data myself because it was a scientific research paper. And what happened the month after I finished my paper was the George Floyd incident where the world went upside down. And police, the whole profession was villainized as being racist because of the actions of one man dealing with not exact, exactly your stellar citizen in George Floyd. No, he was so, not a pillar of the community for sure. No, exactly. And he was not intentionally murdered neither. But a after seeing that, I, I just got so frustrated trying to educate people online and social media 
and then seeing my school, my, my son's school, how they put out the anti-police vitriol. And then I got involved in the equity team. And I was trying, here I was trying to educate teachers, people involved in the school, and then parents in, in my community that were just spewing lies, either knowingly or, or unintentionally, because that's what they, they're just regurgitating what they heard. I said, you know what, we need a book that shows the truth, the actual facts of what, what these incidents are about on how the media is making people believe the police are, are committing systemic racism in deadly uh, shootings. And then what I wanted to do was give people an opportunity themselves to have a place they can go to to look at each shooting for the past two years and decide for themselves. So I lay out each shooting where officers were murdered in 19 and 20 and each shooting of an unarmed person by the police in 2019 and 2020. And you can see for yourself, what was the initial contact with the officer? What was the officer's reaction then to the subject? And then what did the subject do to the officer? And you see how in the majority of these cases, which are very similar, there's criminality involved. There's the failure to comply. There's mental illness. And I think around 30% of the times, or uh, actually the unarmed people that were shot, 48% of the times, they, they had mental illness. Whereas... When the officers were murdered, 30% murdered uh, with mental illness. Um, the, sub, the cops are being ambushed. Vehicles are involved. I think there was 11 officers run over by vehicles. And you always hear criticism when an officer shoots at a moving vehicle. Oh, well, that person's not using deadly force other than the vehicle. Well, the de- a vehicle is deadly force. <laughs> yeah, it's a 3,000 pound object. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. Yeah, right, so and, I just wanted to give a resource that everybody could go to. It's kind of the anti-defund the police book, or you could say the defend the police book. And uh, I developed a website that carries it on. And what, since we're talking about the book, I'll throw it out there that I had two great careers as a military officer and now as a police officer. I will not be making a dime from this book. I will donate 100% of the profits to nonprofits that are taking care of the families of our fallen officers. So this isn't for me. This is really somebody as a veteran who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan, frustrated at seeing how my country is being destroyed from within. I wrote this for for love of country and love of my profession to get the truth out there so we can stop this division based upon lies. Yeah, and that's the big thing, the misrepresentation and the lies. And this book is over four, sadly, it's over 400 pages long. And if you go through it and you can get it on Amazon, if you go through it, you go, oh, wow, the news didn't cover that part. I didn't hear right. about this right. one. And that's what's exactly. sad about it. We're yeah. not hearing about what's really going on because the media, and I remember the day after uh, 9-11, I happened to be working from home. I usually have the TV on. It's kind of like my radio. And The View came on, and the the one person is named Sonny, and the first thing out of her mouth was regarding the January 6th situation is, well, right. if they were black, they wouldn't be treated that way. And I thought, <laughs> suffering mother, we, <laughs> we're a country's under attack, our democracy's under attack, and you're making it a black and white issue. That is not right. what this right. is. So what do you have to say no. about that? Uh, I love that you brought that up because what she said, what Sonny said, is so ignorant, and it's something that's commonly mimicked. Whenever a mass shooter is white and is taken alive, while you know a black cop killer was not, but 
So I specifically studied this when I was looking at what happened to the cop killers, analyzed in my book from 2019 to 2020. Here's what I found. Of the 55 law enforcement officers murdered in 2019, 37 of their perpetrators were captured alive. Nine of them were white, 19 were black, and nine were Latino. In 2020, of the 31 cop killers taken alive, eight were white, 17 were black, and five were Latino. So these numbers show, just as the recent capture of the murderer of Rochester police officer, P.O. Anthony Mazurkiewicz, that was not too long ago, July 21st, 2022, and then 10 days later, the murder of who we've been talking about, Elwood police officer Noah Shanavaz. Yeah. Well, those two perpetrators, they were taken alive, So, the, and they were black. The police are not the judge, jury, and executioner. We only use deadly force when we fear for our lives and the lives of those around us. But tragically, the legislators, the activist judges, and the Soros-backed DAs, they're changing the laws to be more criminal-friendly or just not prosecuting them at all, leaving the average law-abiding citizen sitting out there as a sitting duck in the ever-increasing violent city streets. Yeah, and... No one didn't even get out of his car. He pulled him over and had an AK-47 turned on him. I mean, there was no interaction between these two other than he turned on his lights and pulled the guy over, and he got murdered. Right. So, yeah. As we say, he didn't even get a chance to break leather. His duty weapon was never even taken out of his uh, holster. So, I mean, and the fact that this book that you spent a lot of time, obviously a lot of time putting together, and... It does tell the true stories about what happened, the good, the bad, everything. It's the truth. I love the fact that you're donating all the proceeds to, you know, the fallen heroes because they need they need help. People don't realize, you know, something like this happens. His family is devastated. And, you know, the bad guy is probably going to get a slap on the wrist and be let out again. Do you know anything about the guy that shot Noah? Oh, yeah. What do you know? He's, a, he's another stellar citizen. He had an extensive criminal record, including drug possession, battery with a deadly weapon, resisting arrest, and shooting of police officers back in, I think, 2006, and he was convicted for it in 2007. He got convicted of criminal recklessness and unlawful possession of a firearm by a serious violent felon. He was sentenced to 25 years. Now, if you do the math, 2007, 25 years, he should still be in jail. But yes. somehow... He's not. Right. So like you said, these murderers, um, the family's going to deal with this loss for the rest of their lives. These murderers will be out in 10, 20 years because some bleeding heart judge will, you know, re-examine the case or a parole board will be like, oh, you know what? He's been really good. He's been studying, taking college classes. He He deserves another chance. Well, that family doesn't get another chance. That dead officer doesn't get another chance. Yeah. Do you know if Noah was married? No, I don't know. Well, if he was married, he didn't have any children. Noah was really young. He's like, uh, I think, 23 years old. And yeah. He said he left behind his parents and his siblings. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Tragic. Oh, Lord. And he's a military veteran, too. So he already served his country, I believe, for uh, five years. So you take a person like that and compare it to some of these people who, you know, have been memorialized on on walls and you know <laughs> and don't forget their name type attitude right, and right. I, i'm just it's just so frustrating so i think we need to start a campaign across the country 
every time we have and it's unfortunately it seems like it's daily where law enforcement gets shot and the bad guy gets pretty much gets away with it if they're going to let him out and that's what they did the last time he shot at law enforcement they let him out and right I don't understand that. Didn't it used to be a felony if you assaulted an officer, any officer, it was a felony? Whatever happened with that law? Well, you know, the uh, reimagining the justice system, they reimagine these sentences. And they uh, they just change things later on, and they, they'll either drop the charges down or, you know, they'll look and plead out. Because from what I understand, ADAs like to have that great record of 100% conviction. So if they get somebody to plead, that keeps that conviction rate high versus having to go to trial and possibly losing. Well, there, we need to make a change. Something's got to be done. You think Al Sharpton will help us? <laughs> we have bigger problems than Al Sharpton. I mean, we have this <laughs> Benjamin Crump guy who's involved in the Breonna Taylor one. He's, he's like the latest version of Al Sharpton. Even Al Sharpton has criticized the latte liberals as being the only ones who would actually want to defund the police. Because even he knows that black people in the neighborhoods that he would typically talk about representing, they want the police. They're not calling for defunding the police. (laughs) No, you're right. And this whole concept of let's defund the police, all the agencies are are hurting. I don't know. are, Are you hiring in New York? I know out here every agency is hiring, trying to, you know, get their staff up to speed. And it's hard. It's hard to find quality people. Well, why would you want to be a cop these days? I can tell exactly. you, as a, as a cop, I've told my son, who's about to enter that age where he's looking at becoming, going to college or what, what his career is going to be, I told him outright, you will not become a police officer. You, can, you know, you're not, he's not even allowed to join the military at this point, to be honest with you, with, under the the Biden regime and the mandated vaxes and all that, but he can at least go to ROTC and hope in four years there's a change in administration and a change in this woke military. But why would anybody want to be a cop these days when you could you could be doing your job to the best of your ability with your best intentions, but because of a snippet from a, a video and if the person you interacted with happens to be the wrong color, you're going to be blasted all over the news. You're going to have a tax at your house. You're going to lose your, your job. Your family's going to have to move. I mean, look at the officer. Um, who was it? The officer involved in the Michael Brown shooting. He was a great cop. Yeah, he was. He, he, had, a, he had to resign and move out of the state. And he was justified. That was a good shoot. But they so destroyed his life. He had to leave the profession and, you know, the home he loved. So why would anybody voluntarily put themselves through that? Especially when you look at around the country, the salaries officers make, I think, fifty or $60,000. Uh, that's not going to feed a family in a lot of places. A lot yeah. of these officers take second jobs in moonlighting so they can just feed their families. That's true. And people don't realize that. They're underpaid for what they do. Right. Absolutely underpaid. And, you know, I, I don't want people to think this is a political thing or a racist thing. This is what's happening. It, it's hard to talk law enforcement without getting politics involved. And there's a lot of people that, you know, could elected into law enforcement. So politics are involved to a point. We don't endorse candidates on this show, but I'll talk about them. I'll talk about them. Do you have a mayor in New York that supports law enforcement? 
Well, the current mayor, Mayor Adams, uh, he was a former law enforcement officer. He was a New York City cop. So he he's saying the right things. Uh, he is, unfortunately, and he's realizing it because he's blasting the revolving door of justice. He's speaking out about what is going on in New York. And it's not going to change, even as supportive as he's saying he is of the police, it's not, it goes to the top level of governor in New York. And the governor will not hold a special session to look at and revamp these failed no-bail laws that they put in place a few years ago. And that's uh, Governor Hochul. So, honestly, the only chance New York City has, the only chance that the state of New York has, is if in November they get rid of Hochul and they bring in the current congressman, Lee Zeldin. He's an Army veteran. He supports law enforcement. He's The first thing he's going to do is get rid of the Manhattan District Attorney, um, Alvin Bragg, who's a Soros, he's a Soros-supported DA. He came out right away and said how many laws he was not going to enforce. So I know you don't want to be political, and trust me, as a soldier, as a cop, that's the last thing I ever wanted to be involved with with politics. But when you see how politicians, especially certain ones from a certain side, are destroying your profession and your country, everything has become political. Actually, we've seen that with um, that Colin Kaepernick, the NFL with Starbucks, everything is political these days. It's disgusting, but it's the reality. And the reality is New York is, is not going to survive if it has Governor Hochul for another term. Yeah, we, we've, um, we've told people repeatedly, if you have a mayor, you have people representing your city, and they're not supportive of your local law enforcement, yeah. there's an election coming up. You need to do yep. the right thing because you can't, you can't have law enforcement out there busting their butts trying to protect you. And you know what? People, when you call 911, they don't say, hey, are you a Republican or a Democrat? They no. say, where's your emergency? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it, it shouldn't be involved with law enforcement or doctors. The doctor doesn't, before you put you under for surgery, says, hey, who'd you vote for? They don't do that. Right. So, you know, you, you really need to think about it. I was just looking on here on, on, we've been, so the listeners know, we've been communicating back and forth and we kind of put together a little outline so we wouldn't get distracted. Um, Dustin, Damon, Dylan, Noble, who are these people? Tony, uh, Timpa? You know, I'm good, yes. Yeah, Tony Tempa, which I'm sure most people never heard of also. He is the white equivalent of George Floyd. It was back in Dallas in, uh, I think, maybe 2014, 15. He actually called 911 because he was schizophrenic, and he, was, he didn't take his meds, so he was about to have an episode, and he knew this. So he called 911 for help. Before the cops got there, get there, a security guard cuffed him. So he was on the ground, cuffed, controlled. The cops responded, and now the video shows three officers around him with at least one with his knee in his back, and, and Tony Temper, just like Floyd, had illegal substances in his system. I think it was cocaine. So after 13 minutes of Tony Temper screaming, crying, you're going to kill me, you're going to kill me, he stopped breathing. He, he ended up, what it looks like, was excited delirium, just like George Floyd, with um, you know, having the illegal substances in his body. So he died at the hands of the law enforcement officers that were there. Not intentionally, but that was the result. Now, nobody's ever heard of Tony, Tony Temper. For 13 minutes this happened, just like George Floyd, I think, with the nine minutes. Those officers, 
they were, I believe they were indicted, but then the district attorney refused to prosecute them. Every one of them still at work. None of them fired. None, none of this has made major news. You know, there's the same equivalent of the Breonna Taylor and Regina Nichols that I just cited, whereas there's a handful of news stories about, about Tony Temper, but everybody knows George Floyd. Tony Temper never put a gun in the pregnant woman's belly as he was robbing her. Yeah. Know, Tony Temper also didn't deserve to not, to not be alive at this point, um, but it didn't make the news because he was white, so nobody cared. The press doesn't care. No politicians commented on him. I guarantee you that the president didn't call, didn't send two or three people to his funeral the way they had three state funerals for George Floyd. Yeah, that was a waste of time. And then he he was given, his family was given like, I don't know how many millions of dollars. I was just like, really? This <laughs> this George guy was a burden a to society all his life and you're giving his right. family millions of dollars? Yeah. How about his family being responsible for his actions and his criminality? Does that happen? Does that happen to the family of the perp who killed Officer Noah Shanavaz? You know, yeah. or uh, the other ones, these these perps are only like 18 or 20 years old. You know, they're still living in their parents' house. Are they responsible? No. But then these parents get these windfalls of money for for their children that were career criminals. It's just, it's insane. Why can't the, in, especially in the George Floyd thing, because I think three of those officers were like bystanders. Two of them, weren't two of them just being trained? Wasn't their first day of training? Yeah, a couple of them were rookie officers, um, and they were standing by. They were looking around. You know. And I remember and, one and, of them said, you know, should we turn them over? Right. And, and, and that actually, didn't what, happen. What Derek Shulman did was what was taught to the uh, Minneapolis police at that point. It was in their training to have the subject in that position. Now, look, when I first saw it as a cop, I was like, oh, my God, I would never – we would never put our knee in somebody's neck the way he did. But I followed up in research in the news, and I saw a picture of it. That was actually how they were trained. Now, granted, once Floyd stopped resisting, I personally believe you take the pressure off, right. you know, roll him on his side, he's controlled. Right. So I, I, I don't agree with the procedures, but I also don't think it was an intentional murder the way it was played out to, to be. And that, that was all done because of race. Yeah, no, I don't think it was intentional either. And like I said, he had a mouthful of evidence that he was swallowing and even said while he was laying there, I took too many pills because he, he knew. Over three times the lethal level of fentanyl in the system, right? Yeah. And, you know, so I don't think law enforcement is totally responsible for what happened in that case. But the the thing that impressed me, and again, I happened to be home during closing arguments. I missed the entire trial. But during closing arguments, the defense attorney showed all the video from that day, not just, you know, him in the knee on the neck. They showed all the video. And if you take all of that into consideration and you're not influenced by the riots and, you know, all the stuff in the media with their one-sided representation of what's happening, yeah, he, he had a reason for doing what he did. I don't agree with all of them, but, you know, I wasn't there during his training. I don't know how he was trained. I don't know, you know, different agencies have different policies. And he did, apparently, and you're the second or third person who told me, that's how they were trained. And they changed their training, but now he's sitting in jail. Right, right. 
if you saw the whole video, you saw how Floyd was actually put into the back of the police car, handcuffed, and squirreled his way out the other side that they also had the door open. Right. And that was a failure right there. You know, you put him on one side, you have the other side closed. That's <laughs> it. You're stuck back there. You can cry all you want. Yeah, and then and they were trying to accommodate. Oh, you know, I'm claustrophobic. Well, if you're claustrophobic, right, right. why are you driving your car? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, total nonsense. Yeah, I I don't I don't get that. But there there's no. just so many cases that we could cite, and so many things that you know the public doesn't see in the media. Certain media outlets don't want to cover it because they want to sensationalize things, and you know that. I've been told repeatedly, if it bleeds, it leads. And yep. this is this is how they do it. So they can slant the stories all they want, and nobody's holding them accountable. They're not, unfortunately. The only thing that holds them accountable is their ratings. And, uh, I mean, we've seen, I think, CNN, the ratings are down in the tubes. Nobody even watches them. But who who's going to get rid of ABC, CBS, and NBC? Those are like the major three networks. And they're incredibly biased in what they're showing and not showing and why your most of your viewers probably never heard of Tony Tempa or you were talking about Justin Damon. She was shot um, by Mohammed Noor, a Minneapolis officer in 2017. He happened to be black. She's white. It was never made a racial issue. She, and, and granted, she called 911 because she heard a woman screaming in the alley behind their house. And when the cops get there, she, she goes up to the side of the patrol car to tell the officers what she heard, well, Mohammed Noor was so frightened and startled by her, he shot across his partner, struck her in the stomach, and killed her. There's an unarmed woman in her pajamas who called for help. Well, he justifiably got um, tried and convicted, but the only time racism was brought up in that trial was that because he was black, he wouldn't get a fair trial. Ridiculous. That's, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That no. you know the law is the law and it applies to everybody supposedly equally, <laughs> and I you know, yeah unfortunately that doesn't seem to be happening lately. And tell people where they can find your book, where they can get your book. I think everybody oh, should go, read this. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. They, they can go straight to my website, which is jdfinformation.com. The JDF stands for Justified Deadly Force. And at that website, there's a link that goes to Amazon. They can get it at barnesandnoble.com. Basically, any online bookstore will have it, Justified Deadly Force and the Myth of Systemic Racism. And uh, even on the website, it carries on. You'll see updates. You'll see memes where I compare, like you pointed out, with Regina Nicholas and Breonna Taylor. So to show people that for every case that they're hearing about a black person being killed and being outraged that it was racist, there's a white person that died in similar circumstances. And nobody knows about it. Exactly. Should we riot in the streets? Do you think we should, you know, like start rioting and having marches and paint paint the pavement and, you know, law enforcement matters, torch buildings, loot stores? Do you think that would get their well, attention? I'll never advocate for destruction of property, but yes, we do need to be <laughs> protesting. We should be protesting at our legislators' offices. Um, we need to show up at the school boards even at this lowest level of the library boards to, to make sure they're putting positive stuff and, and not biased stuff. But yeah. I yeah. I'm interested in, I'm interested in knowing more about what they were teaching your children in school. How old is your, is your child that was being given this information? At that point, um, at that point he was 15. And what, what it was is they sent a letter out to the community 
calling for them to join the equity team. And in that letter was a link to these online um, educational websites. And so, you know, being a good citizen, I, I pressed on those links. And what I was led to was all story after story about how the police were racist in killing Alton Sterling, Michael Brown, Philando Castile, all incidents that I researched and know firsthand. Those are all subjects that were armed, as in Castile and Sterling, or attacking the police, as in Brown. So outright lies being pushed by these educational institutes, which a lot of them are very liberal, left-leaning, and um, they're poisoning our children's minds. Yeah, well, there's, there's people on both sides that are poisoning the minds, and they're afraid if they speak up, they won't get reelected. And I find the silence is deafening. Because you're not, you're, violence, right? you're, you're just, yeah, you're part of it. If you're not saying anything and trying to stop it, you're a part of it. Right. And right. that goes for both sides of the aisle. That goes for everybody who's, who's listening. We should all be contacting our representatives, all our representatives, Absolutely. not just your political affiliation, all of them, and telling them that we need to support law enforcement. We need better funding for law enforcement. And we need to try to get the media to stop being so one-sided on, on how they represent these stories and interviewing the parents. Oh, my son would never do that. Well, you know, he just spent his evening shooting at law enforcement. I'm right. sorry. Oh, my son doesn't own a gun. Well, he does because it's sitting in the yeah. car where he left it. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Mom. And yeah. where were you while your kid was growing up? How come, you know, you don't know this? And real quick, right. this happened years ago. I I had a high school administrator call me and tell me that they had sent the sheriff to this sophomore, a sophomore in high school, sent the sheriff to Ooh. his house because they heard that he had a high-power rifle, an AK-47 and other stuff. The sheriff went over, this kid is in high school, a sophomore, and he bought wow. all these weapons, and his parents didn't know he had all these weapons in his house, an arsenal with bullets. And right. I, I'm just like, you know, I don't know how all that transpired, but I just, a high school kid buying weapons like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For what? Some red flags there. There's a Absolutely. lot of red flags there. And, yeah. you know, we don't we don't need to boom, make purchasing weapons so easy where people can just you know high school kids can go out and buy them so right, I want, right. we've got 30 seconds left i want to remind everybody about the uh, cryptocurrency educational event all the details on our website lawmatters1030.org army mike thank you for coming on the show and opening our eyes and thank you thank you thank you for writing this book everybody should My have pleasure. a copy and we'll talk to you soon